The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, we appreciate you joining us on what we'll call a Yoshi podcast. Uh, for the Rays, Yoshitomo Tsutsuko was introduced on Tuesday at a news conference at Tropicana Field. Uh, and on the podcast, you'll hear a little bit from Yoshi, you'll hear from Kevin Cash, and then one-on-ones with uh, the head of pro scouting, Kevin Ibach, who kind of ran point on the recruitment of Yoshi, and also Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times will give us his thoughts. Um, you can find the news conference, uh, the Rays actually uh, had it out live, so you can probably go and watch that, but after his uh, his session of the podium um he did a kind of a group session with the media and i want you to hear a little bit of that uh starting with uh you know kind of his uh, uh thoughts and on adjusting and and uh the challenges that he's going to face uh as he gets ready for major league baseball for the first time. Well, communication is very important to know that you can talk more and more about it. The team is a family team. え、家族として、え、みんなで一緒の喜びをね、え、分かち合って、え、みんなで一生を目指せるチームだとレイズは思いますので、え、そういうところに入るのがすごく楽しみです。え、ま、オブスキュニケーションイズキー。え、あ、
it's a unique situation that, that I don't think any of us can really put value, an exact value on what he what has taken place in his career. He's been a star at a really high level of baseball that we don't know how it always is going to transition, but we're going to do everything we can to help him. And if it's anything close to what he's done for the last five, six years, we're fortunate to have him. What stood out in that time that you got to know him a little bit at that workout on a personal level? Um, I think, well, I think Kevin Eibach did a tremendous job in his group of getting to know him uh, and then giving us some feedback and little things that he had heard along the way scouting. And then what he had told us, you know, the personality, how driven he is. I mean, when you talk to Yoshi, I don't know if he said this, but he told us multiple times, this has been on his mind for years. He's been committed to getting over to play baseball in the U.S. And everything he's done, I mean, you think about a guy that has moved from, you know, finishes a season in Japan, gets on a plane and hangs out in L.A. to train and learn U.S. baseball for four or five years. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and then it just all lined up when we talked to him. Uh, you know, the language barrier, it is what it is. We'll, we'll do a good job of uh, getting past that as time goes. But I think the interactions with, with his group, uh, himself, and then obviously Eric and, and Kevin and, and all of us that were involved uh, went off really, really well. You've seen guys have to adapt in this country. What do you think is the greatest challenge for a player coming to a new environment like this? Player or, or, or like on the field? Um, just no history. He has no history with all the pitchers he's going to face. Uh, now, you can say that about you know any first-year player, rookie coming up, but he's not. He, he's a pretty special, proven player. So he's seen enough high fastballs. He's seen enough breaking balls wor- working away from him or split down in the dirt that, that he's, he's got a significant le- leg up on your, your typical first-year player. I think I know we've got a special player, and are there going to be challenges? Without a doubt. I would sure. think it's more us being accommodating to him as throughout this major transition right. of, I mean, even he's house shopping tomorrow. He has no idea where anything is, and I, I, can't, I cannot imagine being in his shoes. Right. So the cultural for you is the biggest change. I think change. that's the big thing. That's where we need to really do a good job of trying to make him feel as comfortable as quick as possible. The clubhouse, actually, that will probably be the, his most comfortable place. Uh, if you watch players from different countries, generally that happens the quickest. It's everything on the outside. That is Rays manager Kevin Cash. And, and as we learned throughout the course of the news conference on Tuesday, I think uh, the unique thing was that um, about this whole process was, you know, the Rays really did a great selling job. Uh, on Yoshi. And the guy who headed it up is Kevin Eibach. Kevin is the head of pro scouting. Um, and I asked uh, Kevin to take us a little bit behind the curtain and kind of detail the process a bit. I think the recruitment process, Neil, started years ago uh, with our scout in Japan, Tateki Yoshibori. And Bori, as we call him, um, you know, spent a lot of time uh, following Yoshi around Japan, seeing him over the years, um, just becoming really comfortable with the players. I know we've talked about that in previous interviews, domestically just gaining a comfort level with the player and uh, learning the ins and outs of him both on the field and off the field. So, um, you know, that all started over in Japan years ago um, since Yoshi was 18 years old. Um, So we've developed this history with him and then kind of transitioning uh, after the posting period. uh, That's where we kind of started the recruitment, so to speak, domestically here and, um, you know, reached out and, and, and made contact with the agent and Yoshi himself and got to be a little more familiar with a broader group of people. 
to back up on Bori, for people who don't know, he was Aki's translator, too, before he went into the scouting side for you guys. How much did that help, the fact that he's had the time with a player in the States, in Tampa Bay, and has a good feel there, and has a good feel for what goes on here? Right. We include Bori with everything that we do over here um, from a pro scouting standpoint, knowing that he's going to see professional players over in Japan. And, you know, obviously he experienced that firsthand over here um, and living over there. He's been able to, you know, really combine both worlds and, and make sure that, you know, we evaluate those players over there uh, for that eventual transition and how they're going to play over here in the States. So, you know, Bori running around there, one thing that was very, very evident from the get go in our conversations with Yoshi and his group was they were they were very evident um, and, and aware of Bori following them around of all the different ballparks in Japan. It was one of the first things they said to us is the amount of work your scout over there put in for us. We know that you are not a group that just came to get to know us in the last few weeks or someone that you've spent a lot of time with. And I think that comfort level was established many years ago by, by all of Bori's hard work. So when you get to the point, though, of recruitment, is it a video? Is it a pitch? And having gone through the whole Otani process, were there things you learned through that and other recruitment of Japanese players that helped you in this process? Yeah, I think when it comes to Japanese players, everybody's a little bit different. Um, you know, a lot of times their agency or their representation will ask specifically for items that may be important to them um, to learn the area, to learn the culture, to learn the team. Um, in the case of Yoshi here, um, it was a pretty casual recruitment. Um, you know, I, I think it speaks volumes to the personality that he has as a player, um, that he wanted to just speak with us live on the phone first. Um, so Eric, Kevin Cash, and my Myself, were able to speak with him on the phone several weeks ago for over an hour in a very casual way um, with Dai translating and uh, really get to know the player first um, before we ever actually met him uh, during the winter meetings in person. So, um, you know, just kind of introducing him to what we are with the Rays, what our culture is like here. Um, you know, he had some specific questions about the Tampa St. Pete area as well, um, about our training staff, about uh, all of our support staff, and, you know, trying to answer those questions questions for him and, and allow him to be comfortable in, in a new environment. So many players from Japan end up on the West Coast because it is closer to home. When did you feel that that was not as much an issue for him as it may have been for a lot of other guys who have decided to go that route? Right. I think with, with Yoshi, it was very evident in that first conversation that we had on the phone that he is a baseball nut. Um, you know, he was talking about how he's got the equivalent of the MLB package over in Japan. He watched a lot of playoff games. Um, he came back, actually came over here for the playoffs this year and saw a few games in person. Um, you know, I, I think in talking to him, he was very much obsessed with the idea of playing for a competitive team, a creative team, um, you know, and he had a lot of knowledge about both our market and our ball club that was very impressive from the get-go to the point where, you know, he had done his research on us as much as we had done research on him. So had he watched a race game in person, uh, either here or in Houston? He did not watch one of our playoff games. I believe it was the Astros-Yankees series um, that he ended up watching. Um, but he was very familiar with watching our games on TV. He alluded to several of our players in our phone call with him. Um, you know, very knew that we played in a dome, knew that we played, you know, knew we had 96 wins this year. Um, you know, there was a lot, of, a lot of background and homework that he did on our ball club that was very impressive. There are not a lot of players that have made the transition, position player-wise, from Japan to the States. Ichiro 
uh, Hideki Matsui are certainly way at the top of the list, but then it does drop off a little bit. Um, the Fukudomes, the Norioki's, guys like that, uh, it's been a tougher transition. What makes him special that y- all you and, and all the other scouts like Bori feel this is the guy who's going to hit? Yeah, I think that, you know, two things that he does that stands out. He gets on base and he hits the ball very hard. And foundationally, those are two very good traits to have. It's something that we value here domestically um, with players both in the draft, uh, signing as free agents, trading for players. Um, you know, so we thought that skill set and what he's been able to establish over over a long career over there in Japan, even though he's still a young, you know, young player, having be able to be consistent with that year in and year out, we felt pretty comfortable that we value the traits that he's best at um, and that it's a guy that's going to be able to come over here and, again, replacing some of the qualities that we lost in a Tommy Pham, be able to get on base and really hit in the middle of our lineup and do some nice things for us in offense. The fact that he went out and worked out several years in a row in the States what does that say about him, the personality, and how much do you think that will help him in his transition here? Yeah, one of my first takeaways with, with Hiyoshi was how driven he is to be great. Um, you know, hearing about how he's come over here in all of the off seasons to work out, you know, not only to prepare physically for the transi- eventual transition to Major League Baseball, but just culturally off the field, um, you know, try to establish this comfort level. When he was, when we went to work him out at the winter meetings uh, over at Nolan Arenado's facility, um, you know, just outside of LA, uh, it was real interesting because you would know that this was a player that had not played over here. You would have thought this was a, a teammate of Nolan's for years, the way they interacted together, um, the way they went about their routine in front of us together. Um, and it was just, it, it was really reassuring to know when we were able to get with them live, um, you know, how comfortable he was in his own skin, because we all know how tough this transition can be. But to have that confidence and the ability to come over here and and, and work out in, in a foreign environment in front of a bunch of people he's never met before, um, you know, he was just very comfortable in his own skin. Long term, how much can, if he succeeds, can this help the Rays not only when on the field, but in recruiting in Japan in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this any time that you can go out and get players, I, I know I've read several articles in the past week since the signing uh, was rumored uh, about how many different cultures we're going to have in our clubhouse here, all the different countries that are represented. And I think that, you know, as as baseball evolves here in the 21st century, you're going to see a lot of people coming from different backgrounds and fitting together in a clubhouse. And I think anytime you can bring in a Japanese player like this, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of people back in Japan that are going to be watching our games on TV. Now, you know, we know that Yokohama has a very loyal fan base. And I think some of the videos that have, you know, been floating around the internet the last couple of days to show you how much, how much passion they have for baseball there. You know, you hope that not only do we gain new fans of our ball club, um, but we can just capture some of that passion and bring that here to St. Pete. When did you think this was you were confident this was going to happen? Uh, you know what, Neil? I, I try to be an eternal optimist, and I thought the initial phone call uh, that the three of us had with Yoshi on the phone went extremely well. Um, you know, there was a lot of back and forth. It was natural dialogue. It wasn't forced communication. So hearing hearing how that phone call went, I was very optimistic several weeks ago that we'd at least be in the running for the player. And then when we drove, it was a party of six of us that drove up to LA to work him out during the winter meetings, walking out of there, only speaking for myself, I felt pretty confident that 
we could envision this player being a Tampa Bay Ray. And I, and I think that just the comfort level, the interaction, the looseness, um, there's a lot of positive vibes coming out of there um, where, of course, you know, anytime you're in negotiations and you have to talk about contracts and length and money, you know, there's a, there's a lot of snags that could potentially happen. But certainly from a from a cultural fit um, and, and just gauging on a lot of facial expressions and, and reactions to our questions, I felt then that there was a really good chance with all the work that this group put in um, to the recruiting him that there'd be a really good chance that we could bring him here to Tampa. And as the head of pro scouting, the natural question is, what's a comp? Um, his his transition's going to be much different, but from a baseball pure on the field, what do you see, what's, what's a similar type player to what he brings? I think some of the, the power that he shows, you saw glimpses of it with the G-Man Choi last year from the left-hand side. You're gonna, that's, that's a natural internal comp here for fans that are familiar with our group of players. Um, on a broader scale, I know uh, several people have alluded to like a Kyle Schwarber type, and I think that's fair. Living in Chicago myself and having seen a lot of Kyle Schwarber since his days at Indiana University, uh, I can appreciate that comp um, You know, from the standpoint that he hits the ball really hard, he gets on base, um, and it's a guy, in, in, in Schwarber's case, at the major league level has played several positions um, and while he may not be known as a plus defender anywhere, has established some versatility to where, you know, coming up through the ranks, he would squat behind the plate. He ends up in left field. He can do a lot of different things and provide versatility to a lineup. And I think that, you know, from a standpoint of versatility, Schwarber's, you know, probably pretty apropos. That's Kevin Eibach, again, head of pro scouting. Um, now joining us, uh, one more Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times to give his take on uh, kind of what he thought um, was unique um, about this whole process and what stood out during the course of the uh, initial news conference and his impress- impressions of Yoshi. Well, the first thing, Neil, was it was good news to hear that he wants to be known as Yoshi because that's there, there's two names there to get used to spelling correctly and in your guys' business talking about and pronouncing correctly. So that was, it was a good a little break there right out of the gate there with Yoshi and uh, the pronouncer on Tsutsugo seems like we can figure that one out. So that's good to start with. And look, I was impressed. I mean, if you want first impressions, I, I thought physically I was impressed with his size, how fit he was, the strength that he looks like he has. I was impressed with his, uh, even with the language barrier, his kind of savviness and knowing which questions to answer and which ones not to. Uh, he deftly dodged the Olympics question when I asked him off to the side, even though I don't really think the Rays are going to let him leave to go play in the Olympics. But, you know, look, I asked him, for example, you know, kind of said, what major league player would you compare yourself to? We've heard Schwarber. We've heard some other ones. And that was a pretty wide berth for him to say something there. And he said, I've never stepped on a major league field yet. I can't compare myself to major league players. That was a pretty good sense. And one thing that struck me of, you know, we, you knew Kevin Cash and Eric Neander were going to say we expect him to do well. We think we've got a special player. But they spoke of his leadership ability. And for a guy coming in who's not going to be able to speak the language of anyone in the room without the help of a translator, but we did find out he speaks a little bit of Spanish, a little sloppy Spanish, he said. So that was curious that they think so much of his personality and his leadership skills that he could step right in and have that kind of role. Did that stand out, too, because he seemed to have a sense of humor both with the Japanese reporters and an understanding, but also a comfort level with it in his own skin here? 
Yeah, for everything that was new for him, and you know, we we heard you know he's going to go out house shopping and you know learning the area and things like that. This is a lot being compressed into just a couple of days for him. But yeah, I thought he had a good sense of humor. I thought he had a good perspective on things, um, things that you wouldn't normally expect maybe on the first day for a guy undergoing so much change and you know getting grilled by you as he was. I mean, that's that's kind of numbing for everybody. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> in terms of the 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 race side of this. They beat out some teams that we've heard were willing to offer more money. I mean, what does that also say about the way the Rays prepped and the way the Rays recruited him? Yeah, I mean, I think the Rays, you know, have a good had a really good plan here. I mean, I think you know they first of all they did a really good job of keeping this quiet because I, I don't think any of us thought this was any more than a cursory you know look at other free agents as they do with so many other guys. And now we find out they've been planning this uh, going back scouting him for years. I mean. Uh, we have fun uh, making fun of Bori sometimes, who used to be in the organization as a translator here, and he went back to Japan, and he's been really scouting uh, ago for a long time. But, you know, it's just the Rays had a very coordinated effort here, and, you know, all joking aside, which I, I do with Kevin Cash, but it was very clear talking to Yoshi that Kevin's personality, uh, Kevin's magnetism, Kevin's passion, that was a word that came up several times, that that was really a big selling point. Uh, for Yoshi was getting to be here and to play for Kevin Cash, and he even made a joke that uh, if he didn't sign, he was afraid Kevin was going to haunt his nightmares. That's uh, that's a scary thing. (laughs) What else stood out from the news conference to you? Was there anything else that big takeaways from, from your standpoint, Mark? Yeah, I think he seemed pretty open uh, to, you know, knowing that the Rays do things differently. He sounded eager to, to kind of, you know, benefit from the data and things that they use here. Uh, I'm sure the Rays kind of explained to him that, you know, nobody really bats in the same spot every day and plays every day. And, you know, we, we, what have we looked it up? There's been 145-plus lineups every year. Kevin Cash has been the manager or some crazy number like that. So I, I just kind of got the sense he fit in. And, and you know, let, let's be realistic here. I mean, everyone was trying to be on their best behavior today. Mm-hmm. You know, he was his interpreter, uh, Kevin Cash. Eric Nien, everybody sitting up there was trying to give off positive vibes about this. But... It seemed very genuine, Neil. It really struck me well. And, um, you know, we've seen some guys come here. And Matsui was here at the end of his career, and it was kind of an awkward fit. Mm-hmm. You know, he was trying to hang on and play a little bit more. It's always a good trivia question that you can use one night on the radio. Is Where did Hideki Matsui play his last game? He was a Tampa Bay Ray when he retired. And But, uh, you know, this is a guy in the prime of his career. He just turned 28, even though he's played 10 years in the equivalent of the majors over there in the NPB. Um, he's still in the prime of his career. And I, I think, you know, no one said this today, but heard something the other day about this too, that yes, the Rays did, you know, not have the highest offer, but they may have had one of the most appealing offers because the shorter term also worked. It's only a two-year deal. There's no option. So, you know, if the worst thing that happens to the Rays is Tatugo is an incredible superstar, hits 45 homers each of his two years, and at the end of these two years, he's able to go off and, and sign a $25 million a year contract with somebody else. I mean, the Rays might be disappointed, but that means it worked out as well as it could have. So that, that was part of the deal, too. Certainly would feel that way. And I think the other thing that stood out for me was the fact that the last handful of years, he came to the States for a month at a time to work out and improve his game. That's You don't find many players who do that. Yeah, and I wasn't really clear and probably should have asked a little further on that as to, you know, was he, he didn't just go to the Gold's gym in L.A. and work out. I mean, he obviously uh, had hired some staff. He wasn't with the Wasserman agency yet, so 
whoever it was that he worked with, but he did have some people that helped him. He went and played the Dominican one year, not very much. He only played, I think, 10 games, but he was with them for a few weeks. And, you know, that also gave him a little bit of cultural immersion. And I think one thing he said here during the Japanese portion of the interview where we were able to get trans translated was he's been planning to do this for a long time, to come over. You know, there's a posting system over there. The rules have changed over the last few years. It now is set up to where... There's not a huge penalty. There's not a huge fee. The Rays did have to pay, you know, about $2.5 million on top of the contract to the Yokohama team to get him, but that was something that was palatable to them. I mean, it might be a little cut back in your salary now as a result, but, you know, I think they're going to feel like it's worth it. Speaking of salaries, um, Avi Garcia, I want to touch on this too. While most of the podcast is on Yoshi and his signing, the Rays did lose out. I was really surprised at how well he did in the open market. I was thinking maybe 214, 215. He ends up with 2 and 20 plus a 30 year option year with Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, somebody at the end of the season, I don't even recall who, but uh, just in talking generally said, yeah, they heard he was looking for 330. And I thought, oh, good luck with that. And he actually got 330 because if he plays well enough and his option gets picked up for that third year, he might be a bargain in that third year and only 10 million more. But he definitely got paid. And and this one will go down on that list, and you know, I do these charts occasionally in the Tampa Bay Times, but this will go down on that list of guys who the Rays made a lot of money for. It was a mutually beneficial thing. Avi came here, he played one year, he played pretty well, and then you know the Rays weren't going to pay that much to re-sign him, but he went off and went somewhere else and got his money. So he played for the Rays for $3.5 million, had a solid year. Now he's going to go make $20 million guaranteed, maybe $30 million from the Brewers, and the Rays will see him twice next year. So I think you've got to... Twib interview, a twerb interview already set up. Four games in three years, though. I, I know the Rays will take that overseeing him 19 times a year, that's for sure. And I think Kevin Cash said as much. So what's left? Uh, obviously, this is an important piece for the lineup because this is a guy who's versatile. He's left-handed. The Rays still have right-handed needs. You wrote about this in Sunday's Times. Yeah, and, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, the one name that, you know, you keep hearing and you're going to keep hearing until either he signs here or he signs someone else is Edwin Encarnacion. Now, I don't know the fit on that. A guy who's primarily a DH, who maybe can play, or he can play some first base, but not play it very well. They're not sure. They're optimistic that Tsutsugo can play third base, play some left field. But if that doesn't work out, he'd have to be the primary DH. So can they go sink, you know, what it's going to take? Six, eight million dollars to get Encarnacion here and then maybe have a situation where there's two guys whose best position is DH? That seems a little difficult. On the other end, you know, maybe they take a flyer on Steven Souza. Guy who's been here definitely wants to come back. Uh, missed all of last year and a good chunk of 2018. I can't imagine there'd be very much guaranteed money involved in a guy like him. He may want a roster spot, though, as opposed to a non-roster deal. So, you know, those would be two extremes, and there's obviously some guys in the middle. I mean, Yasiel Puig is still out there. You know, there's a, a fit there you'd have to be comfortable with. He's got a guy who's got a pass behind him as far as some clubhouse issues. But, you know, there's not a ton of big-name right-handed hitters out there. I saw something today. Somebody floated. Maybe they totally go a different way and go for like a super U guy, like a Nico Goodrum, a switch hitter, a guy who could do a lot of things for him and kind of fill him in around the big pieces. So I, I don't know. They surprised us to some degree with this signing, and I have a feeling there's another surprise or two to come. Yep, I'm guessing that's the case. Who knows? Trade market is still out there as well. That's certainly a possibility. Mark, you've got a lot to write, but we appreciate some time on Yoshi. We'll just leave it at that. All right, and... We'll expect you to have the Tutsugo song figured out by uh, spring training. Well, we certainly appreciate the time of Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, hopefully there's enough time for me to learn Yoshi's song bef between now and the start of spring training, or at least start of the regular season. Um, we appreciate the time of Mark and also Kevin Eibach, and certainly if there's more news, 
uh, on the race, adding players during the course of this offseason. You can always find it on our blog, raiseradio.mlblogs.com, and we'll have podcasts too. We thank you very much for being with us. If we don't have another podcast before the holidays, I certainly wish you a very happy holiday season, and we will talk with you soon. Thank you.